There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With every year, our bodies change, right? Less energy, more fatigue. I learned a major cause is a decrease in circulation. And if I start giving my body what it needs, I can get back healthy circulation and feel great. And that is why I tried Super Beats. Super Beats promotes the body's natural ability to produce healthy circulation and increased energy. Only Super Beats is made from beets grown to exacting standards and concentrated into superfood crystals. Give your body what it needs. Call 800-516-0683 or go to nancysbeats.com. With the first order, get an extra 30 days of Super Beats free, plus indicator strips to see how Super Beats is working for you, plus free shipping. Call 800-516-0683 or go to nancysbeats.com today. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. To the man who took Molly Bish, does June 27, 2000 mean anything to you? It's been 17 years since Molly Bish vanished. Her remains were found on a central Massachusetts mountainside three years later. The case remains unsolved. It's an open investigation. We're constantly getting tips leads on it. Initially, Molly's disappearance wasn't thought to be an abduction. Theories ranged from Molly running away to being somewhere with her friends. I don't feel like she would run away and she was gone hiding out. I didn't have that feeling. There's pieces out there that we just need to fit together that's going to allow us to move forward with the investigation. Does June 27 mean anything to you? 
does June 27, 2000 mean anything to you? It does to me. That is the 17th year that we have all been looking for Molly Bish. June 27, 2000. Every time June 27 rolls around, I think about Molly Bish. And almost every day in between. Why? What happened to a beautiful, beautiful young girl, Molly Bish? Joining me right, right now is a special guest, Maggie Bish and her daughter, Heather. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. Maggie, I can't tell you what it means to me to get to speak to you again and to meet your beautiful daughter, Heather. Just, you know, it's, oh, it's funny. It's my honor to be with you. It's funny how you never think, I would never, when I was little, I would never have thought, wow, some of the greatest people I'll ever meet in my life are going to be crime victims. You know, you don't think about that when you're planning your future. Um, There's some kind of a bond between violent crime victims, and I can't really explain it. But I'll start, Maggie, with telling you, I don't know if you know how many prayers go up every day about you and Molly and your family. I'll just start with that. And then to you, it was Molly's eighth day at a brand new job as a lifeguard. She was just 16. It was a hot summer day. Do you remember that day, Maggie? Oh, how I do. Um, Again, we had just gotten out of school. I'm a school teacher, and uh, we had cleaned your room. And I I actually was a special ed teacher, and I had some some, uh, IEP, some work to complete. And so we were all kind of buzzing a little bit. You know, Molly had a new job. My son had just trained her. And um, I had taken her to work uh, the day before, and it was kind of a little unsettling. We had seen a car that day parked in the uh, parking lot, and there was only one white vehicle, and Molly got out, and she was very excited and said, bye, Mom, I love you, see you later, you know, and just she had to get some supplies ready and go down to the beach. It was the first week of... um, swimming lessons for the town kids so we live in a very small community only 4,000 folks one traffic light a beautiful town in the central Massachusetts well Molly went off and I see this vehicle on this man and he ends up kind of staring at me and I get kind of unnerved and I said I can't leave Molly here what is this guy doing here so I head to the beach and meet her and we sit and it is a very lovely little place and it's kind of, again, it's down a, a main street, but it's also kind of isolated. And um, we sit, we talk, and I, I really, we we haven't talked a whole lot about danger, but we talked about, you know, I said, I noticed there's more men around maybe. And she did, oh, it's just fishermen, mom, not concerned at all. 
I talk about how nice the beach is, and then I, I said, i got to get back and do my reports. So I go to the car, and this individual is still there. I am so kind of awestruck, like, what is he doing? He's just sitting there smoking a cigarette. There's nothing to view. It's woods. And I get into my car, and I'm looking. I had not even taken my purse before. So when I go in, I, I'm pretending I'm getting something, and prior to that I'm walking and he stares at me and I have to tell you it's like a mother bear you just want to protect your child you just say what are you doing here go go to work it's 10 o'clock in the morning and and that just got me so unnerved so when I went to the car to get my purse he pulled out so fast that I didn't even think I just got relieved it was one of those immediate gut feelings I just was uncomfortable and that white car still to this day We've never found we never found the individual who was driving it. Our case remains unsolved. And um, anyway, the next day happened. Took Molly to work. The same. Talked to her that night about being safe. Even offered her uh, a little Cubaton stick, which my husband had as a probation officer. She said, "Mom, I don't need it. It's just fishermen. Don't worry." And. That next morning, after I drove her to work, there wasn't a single car in the parking lot. She said, goodbye, Mom, I love you. Our routine kind of farewell. And that was the last time I ever heard my Molly. And I would have never, ever in my wildest dreams or sadnesses imagined that three hours later, I would get a phone call from the assistant chief of police that Molly had not been at the pond all morning. Her things were on, left on the beach, an open first aid kit, um, the police radio, her shoes, and her backpack all remained on the beach, and nobody knew where she was. At that point, this was an unusual event for us. Molly was very conscientious, very kind of nervous. It's a new job. They told me she probably went with friends. I didn't. It didn't make sense. She left her shoes. She left her backpack. But she left the job at ten o'clock when she just was starting. It just didn't make sense at all. So I called my daughter Heather, and Heather said she would meet me at the beach, and I immediately got in my car, went to the beach, and I I went. I, I, I'm still in disbelief, and I'm calling her and screaming her name on the beach, Molly, Molly, and people were coming there was no molly and people had said that she hadn't been there there had been no lifeguard all day and we i knew i dropped her off i seen her things so i was very very frightened for me the first gut reaction was something is really wrong here i started to go toward um the police station there comes heather with our new little granddaughter and we go into the police station and I say, something's very wrong. I need this chief, the assistant chief, because he called me, and my husband. And because he was a probation in the local area at the local court, I said, call him. That's how upset I was already. I knew in my heart that this was not how Molly operated. And they told us to go in a little room. It was two young officers, and they figured out that, oh, she just went with friends. They weren't concerned. And that's when Heather and I... You know, well, that that they told you to go in the room, and I I took off looking for Molly's friends. Okay, well then <clears> I so I I went from there. Yeah. 
And then I went also to look for her other friend in the next town that was a good friend, and she was accounted for. And then I got my son. We turned to we returned to the beach, and when we got to the beach, we were aghast. I mean, people in a small town heard um, there's Molly was not at the beach. It was on the scanners, and there were people starting to come. And Molly's friend's father was the head of the fire department. And nobody, I think this was the hard part, Nancy, nobody knew, everybody felt something, but they didn't know what to do. And I really didn't see the police as I got there. It was the firemen had actually entered the pond thinking Molly drowned swimming. And that was very frightful. They had uh, those special dogs to determine if there was a body. I mean, it was like you were now really in a surreal, unbelievable place that you've never been. And it's heartbreaking because you don't know where your daughter is. Nobody knows where she is. And you're just watching this, this show progress. And it, it, it was scary and, and sad. And you worry what she's thinking. You don't know what. Now that you have children, I know you can imagine how hard, what would your child do? And, you know, each child has their own personality. Molly was funny and silly, and but she was also very shy. And if someone would hurt her, but she would also trust somebody because she was a good kid and she had no reason not to, you know, if they dressed like a police officer or they dressed in some, you know, um, authoritative, she would go. And that's how I know that we, we looked, there was no, nobody had Molly and we had everybody that she was, you know, friends with accounted for. And that was really our beginning of our horrible nightmare. I want to pause and thank our partner making today's SiriusXM 132 program possible. And here's my question. What's your story in 2018? The holiday rush is over. You have no excuse. Sorry to be so blunt. LegalZoom can help you make this a great year before all distractions take hold. Make this the year you get serious about launching running your own business, or rest easier knowing your family's future is squared away with the right estate plan. LegalZoom has been helping people like us take care of dreams and business for over 16 years. Good news, they're not a law firm, but they have the resources to put you on the right path, including advice from a nationwide network of independent lawyers. And it's all at your fingertips. Whether you want to take your business to the next level, start your business, or take control of your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom plugs right into your life so you can take care of things that matter the most. Get off to a strong start in 2018 at LegalZoom.com today. Special savings if you enter code NANCY in ANCY in the promo box at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom, thank you not only for being our partner today, but for what you are doing for Americans all across the country every day. Everyone with me is what I consider to be a friend. With me is Maggie Bish. This is Molly Bish's mother. Molly goes missing one warm June morning, 2000. The search still on. 
from Molly's Killer. And when I hear you talking, I can't help it. It takes me straight back to when my fiancé was murdered and there's that feeling. You, I, I felt like a wild animal. This is the only way I can describe it. I felt like a wild animal that couldn't form words. I wanted to break the window with my bare hands and just howl. I didn't even know Mm -hmm. words to say. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I remember one night, right before I was supposed to go on the air, my longtime makeup artist, Shazan, was with me. And she got a call. She had her hands in my in my hair at the moment and put it on speaker, and her son was missing. Arlington was missing. And everything just went berserk. And, I mean, I've covered all these cases. I know what to do. I know who to call. But when it happens to you, it's a whole, whole nother can of worms. In her story, he was found. Oh, thank goodness. Mm, good. And I'm just thinking about you at that at that pond, and they're looking in the water, and you see the first aid kit, and you see her shoes, and everything's there. Everything's right. Everything is present. But, Molly, when did you find out what happened to Molly? Well, you know, this was a whole new world for us, Nancy. Nobody knows how to do it. And I have to honestly say to any listeners that there's no right way or wrong way. We have learned what is best practices for law enforcement because we live in a small town. This happens often in large cities. People need a plan. There was no plan. That day, that's what was most frightening. I don't. I think everybody wanted to help, but nobody knew what to do. And so, like, we had the the firemen in there, but they had actually uh, uh, contaminated this crime scene because mm. nobody really knew it was a crime. They had come in with the dogs. People were there. I mean, it was just confusing. Um, by the end of that night, the state police came in and they overtook the case. But even in fairness, the state police do a lot of work with drugs and and th- they really didn't have a plan at first either. I think it was just you know, find out. We found out about Molly. No, we didn't believe there's a chance in, at all that she had just left with friends. We didn't think she would not call us. I mean, when we had to drive home, we we were beside ourselves. How do you go home if you don't know if your child has food or is safe or is being harmed or held? I mean, I think in all truth, that was one of the most horrible, exhausting, frightening days. And then what we learned again police helped us uh, you know they were trying to do what they could do and um it, it to me i think we did get involved finally um we were on america's most wanted and then the press came in our police had asked us not to do any we did not talk we were isolated for two weeks mm-hmm. all i can imagine is parents begging people to help them with their kids and i didn't understand that and then once I started to open up and speak to the press and and to the TV people, uh, we had we had to get home. we had to get Molly's story out there, and that that really became our burden. If we didn't do it, 
nobody would really know. I think people would just thought, oh, sure, she came home. But we did 500 days. We did 1,000th day. We did her birthday. We had over 300 people that first year at her birthday. Um, we started a foundation. We just we didn't know what to do. But even in our small town, they had said that people, that this person could be from in the area. Well, that frightened more people. And so I was on the local school committee. So we went forward and we said we'd like to present um, a um, a safety program. So we got very involved with trying to help children. We learned right away that they needed a good picture and they needed a, a book, a safety book, an ID. So we we created our own that we thought was small enough that dad could carry it even and, and had everything in it, your picture, your fingerprints. We wanted to find that child before they were, you know, we didn't want a DNA kit to, to find them past. We wanted to find them beforehand. So that became our, our our tool to help others. We developed the Molly Bish Foundation, and we went all over Massachusetts. We we actually, I believe it was far beyond 35,000 that we had done in our time. But we, we are always looking for Molly and, and trying to put on events. And I started the first Missing Children's Day in Massachusetts in our Boston State House getting the families together, trying to connect with one another. Because there is, like you said, a unique bond, an unusual sadness, uh, fear, you know, of the unknown. So that became one important day that we would come together. But it also gave people, it made the legislators aware of our plight, what laws weren't being held that were good or bad, and we could change that. We actually helped with Senator Kennedy to bring in the Amber Alert here to Massachusetts. We worked on the child safety law with many good people that I know you know. And um, anyway, we got involved with the National Center. Uh, They helped work on our case. But it took three long years before we knew anything. And they were hard. And it was really tough for our whole family. And families suffer. You know, we used to have... Um, fragile Fridays, if we made it another week, you know, how are we doing, checking in with each other. It was tough. We didn't have small children. My children, my son was uh, uh, just in his first year of college, and Heather was just had her first child. So we were a little older, which in some ways is easier, but still very difficult because every age has its own difficult acceptance of losing a sibling. You're so right about that. And there are so many phases you go through. One, when you suffer a loss. My father passed away about a year and a half ago. And I'm still a mess. He and I were, I guess, soulmates. We were just... I mean, I love my mother. I'm extremely close to her. I've always talked to her more, I guess, than I did my dad. But he and I were just two peas in a pod. And you go through, it hurts me too much to remember what I went through when Keith was murdered. But the Uh thing that, that, that phases you go through when you lose somebody, but I guess, I don't know what, I'll have to ask you because I knew almost immediately who murdered Keith and what had happened to him. But it was 2003 
almost to the day. It was June 9, 2003, before you knew what had happened to Molly. Do you remember that day? Well, you know, it is. Oh, I can tell you. It's Um, awful. My, we actually, we had did the Missing Children's Day May, at the end of May, and uh, we had come home, and John had gotten a call, my husband, and he said, we have to get home, and usually I'm saying thank you to all the people. We have two busloads of people that we take with us to Boston, and so I'm very grateful we put flowers, we put forget-me-nots, you you don't go out there, we do a big, beautiful program, so we are coming home with all this stuff, and John is saying, hurry up, get home, we're going, we're going, and he was pushing me, I was getting a little agitated, but what happened is one of the news reporters came to our house, and they had the pictures because somebody did not believe. Well, how it went is there was a hunter that had spotted something that he, he wasn't familiar with, but he mentioned it to this um, person who used to be a police officer. And so they went, and they were kind of on their own doing this. And then I guess this this police officer didn't believe that the, um, you know, he was afraid the police would take credit for his find, I guess. And so he wanted someone to take pictures, and he called in the press, and the press did it. And so guess what? What they do? They show it to us before the police even called us and told us anything. So I'm in my driveway, and you know how in the press car, like the vans, they have all the TVs? Oh, no. There's Molly's. Yeah. This is how Molly's, I seen her bathing suit in the rough, in the leaves, the old leaves, and John didn't remember, you know, my husband, he, you know, it's so funny. I actually went out with her to buy this special bathing suit because they didn't have the colored ones. He, the, the, the recreational person was going to order them. So I knew exactly what it was. It was a blue one, but it was a special one. And I knew right then and there, I, my knees almost crumbled and I ran up the stairs and to our home. And I mean, there was three days that I could say, and when you were talking earlier, you do. It's like a primal cry. It's it's from the depths of your soul. I knew, and I didn't want it. You know, you want to find Molly, but it wasn't the way we had hoped. You know, and my, I, I mean, I cried, and it just, the, uh, that was one of the worst. I have to say, days, and I howled, and I, every piece of me, was spent. When you say it was a special swimsuit, that and the moment you saw it, you knew what it was. Um, you I know, what's, what's interesting, Maggie, is I remember that uh, uh, the morning that Keith left, he had been visiting our home. My fam- me and my mom and dad were home. My sister was already off in grad school at Wharton. My brother was moved out and working. So this is the three of us. And he had visited for the weekend, and he left that morning to go back to Athens where he lived and worked. And I just, I guess I just suppressed this or blocked it, but it's only been in the last few years that I remembered that at the murder trial, I testified, and I remember Mm -hmm. coming down the witness stand, it was a really tall one, and where mm. you, you go up and there's a landing, then you turn left toward the witness stand and go up some more steps. And I remember coming down those steps 
And I walked past the district attorney's table and I looked down and I saw a denim shirt covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And I immediately knew that that was Keith's shirt that he had been wearing that day. Oh and Maggie, it, mm-hmm. it this has only come back to me. I mean, it's been years later. And I, mm. it came back with such clarity. But I remember just stopping and looking at that shirt, and I knew exactly what it was. What mm. was it that you knew beyond a doubt that was Molly's swimsuit? You no, know, I, I, I really, I don't know to analyze it. I think it's just that I was the mother. I picked it out. It was the color. And I think there was a little bit, she was going to the training for the um, lifeguards and she needed a certain kind of a, you know, a, a tank suit type. So I knew that material and it was blue, but it had some, you know, it had to be a little bit cool. So it had some mixed colorings in the middle of different things. And I seen it. I knew. I just knew. And, you know, again, they had to send the police in. They had to send the search party in. They had, and I mean, that began a really another whole experience because the first day they came home with one bone, you know, or, yeah, it was a shin bone, and but it could possibly be someone mm-hmm. in Molly's age range. The next day they had rib bones, and then by the third day they had her skull. I mean, what mother sees, you know, we actually did say goodbye to Molly and kissed her goodbye, but we only had 24 bones that were found. But because of that, we were able to get her dental records, you know, so that's, they had to certainly make sure it was Molly. And I think that was the only way we were able to, they were able to say the police, but I knew, you know, and it was just confirmed. The moment you saw the swimsuit, you knew. The moment everything happened, you knew it was bad. Oh, Heather Bish is Molly's sister. Heather, what do you recall of of this time? Well, I think, you know, I, I again, it was still that it, it couldn't be possible that Molly was abducted. I, you know, I thought that in the beginning that it had to be a mistake and, you know, sort of the same thing that this this couldn't be right. There's there's got to be an explanation for this. And then as the moments and time kept passing and Molly didn't pop out of anywhere, you know, that's when we realized her her peril. She was she was in a great deal of peril. So, you know, we became increasingly anxious. And I think when even when we found the bathing suit for me, I you know, I think you just kind of just hold on to hope, like. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe he stripped her and threw the that bathing suit in the woods, or or something. We just want want to believe something as terrible as as her loss isn't isn't going to be what what the final end of the story is. And for me, I, I can remember the day that the state police actually came up to the house on June ninth when when they did find the skull because people were coming over to my mom's house every day, and I had been living in in Western Mass at the time and driving out every morning with my three-year-old and it was about a 45 minute drive. And for a three-year-old that has to go potty all the time, that's like two potty stops, you know, so never, never an, an easy, easy trip. But we were doing that daily to, to um, ensure that we were, we were all together. 
And I remember we had just gotten there on June 9th and there were people in the driveway and mom was talking and um, in the distance I could see the district attorney and the head of our investigation um, walking up the driveway and they were wearing suits and it was, you know, the beginning of June and I was thinking, geez, it's a real, really a hot day to be wearing a, a full suit like that. And then I, it just, I just knew, I thought, I just knew like, this is it. This is, this is the final they're going to tell us now. You know, and it's interesting so my, every, uh, that you're saying, and I, I hate to keep projecting, but what you're saying is like striking so many chords in me. It's, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. because I recall that day I had come out of a statistics exam. I was still in college and was walking to my job. I worked all the way at the other end of Mercer University campus and the library in the back of the library processing books. And I stopped midway. Of course, this was before cell phones to use the phone, the pay phone in the student union to call the library and say, my test went over like 20 minutes. I'm almost there. Just hold on. Like there was some emergency Mm -hmm. processing books. Okay. So anyway, Mm -hmm. and when Mm -hmm. I did, the head librarian, Miriam, said, you need to call Keith's sister right now. I knew right then that he was dead. I knew. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. you, you just, when yeah. you saw those guys in the suits, you knew. Yeah. And I'm just. And I really, I just, I just really wanted to run away, to be honest with you. I didn't even want to hear what they were going to, going to say. I just thought if I could run, I would be able to outrun the truth or the reality or you know it just felt like everything's going to change now our whole life everything and, it's really and I wasn't sure odd Heather if we'd ever feel that, safe again that you, know? you your mind tries to get around it or 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 bend with mm-hmm. it because I remember I would wake up in the mornings and I would think that Keith was still alive and this had been some elaborate ruse and I would dream, mm-hmm. I would dream, and this is so, I don't know exactly what this means because I never saw a shrink about it, probably should. I would dream <laughs> that Keith wanted to get out of the engagement, and so he had faked oh. the whole thing oh. because, you know, this close to us getting married, he had decided he, that in my dream, and I'd wake up and I'd go, right. oh, well, thank yeah. God he's alive, yeah. and it's just, you know, and then yeah. I'd wait, wait a minute, well, I wait would a have, minute. Ooh. I would have dreams that Molly was still alive, but she would be, you know, she would have gone off with her friends to Florida or she went on a, you know, she went on a trip and she was just back and she was going to see her old boyfriend. And I'd be, I remember in the dreams feeling like, no, you can't go. I'm, I'm, I'm desperately want to be with you and hang out with you. And generally that's not how 20 year olds feel about their teenage sisters. So I, I've always sort of, thought about those dreams later now in life and thought geez you know maybe molly was trying to tell me in some capacity that she was okay you know and it was just me feeling this desperate feeling listen to this to the man who took molly bish does june 27th 2000 mean anything to you i remember it as a warm summer day we left home we picked up the police radio and then we arrived at the pond the sand truck was there we watched mesmerized like little children as the sand fell gently to the ground. Molly and Mom for the last time. 
Molly said goodbye, I love you, and ran off. It was her eighth day on her new job as a lifeguard. That was the last time I saw or heard from my Molly. I have held those words wrapped around my heart to sustain it from breaking into a million broken pieces. It's been 17 years since Molly Bish vanished. Her remains were found on a central Massachusetts mountainside three years later. The case remains unsolved. It's an open investigation. We're constantly getting uh, tips and, and leads on it. We're moving forward and going through the beginning to now. We started talking to some of the original investigators, just bringing them in as a group. And we also have a district attorney assigned to the case. So they came in and we just started going over their observations, their notes, their feelings, you know, things like that. Maggie Bish could never imagine a moment that she'd never see her daughter Molly ever again. Molly could be very shy and she could be very silly. There was two sides of her. In her comfort zone, she was silly like Lucy. I mean, goofy silly. We were just beginning our adult relationship when Molly disappeared, so I often wonder what that would have been like to have known her as an adult. I want to pause and thank our partners that are making today's SiriusXM 132 program possible. It's Super Beats. It's all about energy. Wouldn't it be great to have all the energy you want all day long? Well, that is not going to happen, okay? I know that. You know I get up between 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock every morning. I still can't get everything done. Fatigue gets in the way, even sometimes for everyday activities, and you know it's true. It gets worse every year. I see my 10-year-olds running around, and I, it takes all I can do to keep up with them. And this is why. When you're 20, your body has a natural ability to maintain healthy circulation. But that ability decreases by half by the time you're 40. You feel tired. I know I do. So what can you do to increase a youthful, natural circulation and fight fatigue? Here's your answer. Drink Super Beets. Super Beets actually promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day. Super Beets made from beets grown to exacting standards and then concentrated into super food crystals. If you want to increase your own natural energy, call 800-516-0683 or go to nancysbeets.com. With your first order, listen to this, you get an extra 30 days of Super Beats free, plus these indicator strips to show how Super Beats is working for you, and free shipping. Call 800-516-0683 or go to nancysbeats.com today, nancysbeats.com today. Super Beats, thank you for being our partner today on Sirius XM 132. With me is Maggie Bish. This is Molly Bish's mother. Molly goes missing one warm June morning, 2000. The search still on for Molly's killer. And I'm trying to imagine your, your view. You know, you pull up and you at a distance see all these guys in suits in your driveway and I'm trying to imagine what Maggie what that what that was when press a van pulls up and they run up what what did they have a picture of her swimsuit Maggie well you know what I guess mm -hmm. this like I said this person didn't believe it so they had six TVs going on 
there were six TVs in that van, and there was every vantage point that they could take the picture. And I mean, it truly was a small piece of bathing suit that was peeking out from underneath twigs and, and old leaves. And it was just taking in different you know, views. And I, I, I mean, I, it didn't take me a second to gather that information to, you know, many seconds. And I, I, I ran up the stairs because I knew I closed my door in my room and I, I began to howl. I was on my knees and, you know, John was down there talking and I just like, could this be, I mean, cause again, we had just a missing children's day for the folks in Massachusetts. It was a beautiful day of great. We were coming home feeling at least we're doing something positive and, you know, we always will miss Molly. That's what we, but to see this was, it was too close to knowing that this was not good again. Tell you me know, something, Maggie. We, we, wanted, the, we are now hearing rumblings that DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid tests, are stirring little seeds of hope. Well, what do you know about a potential DNA test? You want to talk, Heather? Yeah, sure. I um, have been sort of headlining the investigative efforts with, with for my family, but about a year ago, they took, and every so often they'll take piece, pieces of evidence and and submit them for DNA testing, and they'll try to compare it when they have a, <clears throat> a few years ago they had a really, I don't know, quote-unquote, good person of interest um, down in Florida, and they you know, had taken some DNA from there and submitted it, and then nothing was sort of a hit. Um, so as so, I guess our hope sort of lies in the science and technology that, you know, sort of helping investigators solve these older cases. And um, so last year they took 24 pieces of evidence um, to retest. And so they don't exactly tell us what, it, what they took or where it came from, but we know it was 24 pieces of evidence. Um, and they resubmitted them for further testing, you know, as they, like I said, the the technology increases and the touch DNA becomes available. Um, they, they will continuously keep, keep resubmitting for particularly these older cases because they've had, they've been able to, um, you know, solve cases based on on this DNA. Mm -hmm. I mean, even right now we have a case in central mass. It's, it's not an older case, but. They've been using DNA to sort of point the direction with the Let me ask the you, so the, the, the seeds of hope are that DNA right. samples and, have been taken and they're being re-examined with new techniques that were not possible at that time. I mean, that is a huge big deal because I recall trying rape cases, murder cases, you name it, with no DNA. You know what I'd have? I'd have a blood sample, and I could say, well, Mm -hmm. the suspect is A positive, and the perpetrator was A positive. That was it. Or maybe a hair, and I could say the rapist or the killer is a Caucasian male with X hair. I mean, that was it. There was no nuclear mitochondrial touch, nothing. So this is a major development that they are doing this. I want to ask you about this um, deep ground sonar test that's being done. What what do we know about that? Yeah. So, you know, over the years, we've, you know, because law enforcement is, uh, you know, they sort of work on their own and, 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 
you know, they don't necessarily report to victim families. That can become very frustrating for victim families. Um, And because we, you know, felt very strongly that we wanted this to be solved, we wanted our community to feel safe, we wanted our friends' kids to feel safe, you know, we've we've all grown up here, we're, you know, in, in some capacity, family to each other. What do you think they hope to find, Heather, with the ground penetrating radar? And it's on a private property in an undisclosed location in Worcester County. What what could that mean? What, was that where the swimsuit was found, Maggie, in Worcester County? No. Okay. No. It was where we received a, a – so so I'm just trying to put the back story here. We um, – some fa- friends in the area, a person who has a Ph.D. in criminology, and I sort of – form this sort of investigative team. It kind of came off through our fundraisers and things like that. We developed this little team. This little team developed these um, campaigns. So one year we did um, billboards. Another year we did ads. Each time we do one, we do a tip campaign. And so we had a just one piece campaign because the state police had always said we're one piece away from solving this crime. During our just one piece campaign, we received a number of tips on a particular person who stayed at a this particular campground in Worcester County. Um, this next year, we had another campaign, and we called it Just One Car, because we were trying to identify this white car. Was it tied to this person that okay, we've gotten? Okay, so the person. location. The location well, is right, my question. Right. So let me understand. So the location that, is the campground where a potential right. suspect stayed. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, Maggie, they are looking for with the deep ground search? Well, I understand that it, it has the potential to be able to uh, recognize metal or rock or anything, and especially if there was something of some size. You know, bearing a car is quite big. You know, how deep could they go? So this radar has a way to analyze how de- the depth and how significant that, um, you know, if it's metal or something that, you know, I, I guess that's what they do. They do some kind of a you know, <clears throat> computation and it, it determines. So from what we understand, there were three places that they felt some interest. Now, I, you know, again, they have to hand that information over to the, the state police and the state police have to, de- you know, decide if it's worth digging or going into. Now, again, it could be, it's like this whole story, again, you always get hopeful, but you have to kind of protect yourself from disappointment. you got to, you know, you don't really, you want it, but you're scared. The emotional battle within is unbelievable because you've been doing this so long now that you want it, but we don't get to choose any of it, you know? So Now, again, isn't it true, grateful. Maggie, that other girls similar in age to Molly also were kidnapped? Yes, we have a girl that was 10 years old, a little bit younger, um, in Sturbridge, which is a 20-minute uh, distance from our home. And she was taken before Molly, maybe seven years. Uh, there had been some cases or maybe even a little older, that were in northern Michigan, Massachusetts, near the New York border. And there was a, a gentleman that they thought was a serial killer up there that might have been involved. I mean, it, you know, it's so sad. I mean, you hear these horrible cases, 
but you don't understand them. And certainly I, I wasn't one that, you know, really understood any of this. You know, now I know all these families who have struggled and who keep struggling, you know, to find their loved ones and how they deal with it. And, and it is very, very hard. So, you know, again, there possibly could be serial killer out there. And that's what worried us because this, to me, honestly, Nancy, how does a normal person do something this horrific and that is so, it's like when you throw the rock into the river and the ripples, it has caused so much pain to Molly's friends, our family, out into the community, the fear that he's somewhere, you know, well, and that's what's, what's always scared me. really captivating me about this one guy and he is simply been investigated he has not been indicted he has not been charged i'm talking about rodney stranger rodney stranger had been living in southbridge at the time molly goes missing he relocated abruptly to summerfield florida a few months after molly was kidnapped from her life guard position now what really uh interests me about him not not just that he relocated but a woman that had known him sister bodney bonnie kieran told police about a phone call from her sister who was then murdered where the sister suggested that this guy may have been involved in murders in Massachusetts. Now, this is based on something I read in the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. He alluded to Bish, Molly Bish, and another girl, Holly Perenin, who disappeared in 93, that from Sturbridge, which was directly adjacent to Southbridge, what do you know about that call? I know you know a lot more than I do, Maggie. Well, oh, wow. you want to go ahead, Heather? Go ahead. If you want. Well, you know, Nancy, oh. we actually have about seven people with the same same kind of circumstantial evidence surrounding them. Rodney Sanger was just brought forward in the media, mm-hmm. so that's that's the the greatest struggle for us mm-hmm. because we know. We know about Rodney, but the public only knows about, I mean, you know, the public only knows about Rodney, but we know about the six other guys, mm. just like Rodney Stanger, that are out there. And that's why we put together this movie about Molly most recently. And it was basically to solidify the events of June 27th that we knew What's for sure. What's the movie? And Tell me the movie's capture. name. Uh, Missing movie? Molly. What? Our, our new movie, Mom, that we just did, Missing Molly. Mm-hmm. And how, so we, how can I see that? Um, we, we've been sharing it on social media. It's up on my YouTube page. Hold on. Let me, um, missing and, Molly sure. movie, and I can find it on YouTube? Yep. Yes, it's yep, about, about a three-minute movie, and we, we eight, had seven, contemplated. Eight. Oh, seven, eight. I'm sorry, Heather. Keep yeah, going. that's okay, Mom. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Mom. Well, I just wanted to say that it was an opportunity that we could share. Heather, again, young people are so conscious of social media, but we could share it even by Facebook. Somebody knows something. There hey, I didn't. Know, I didn't even know about it. This is something new to that me. That just came out. Would that you? Would you out, mind if I? Week. 
Would you mind if I put no. this on our website and uh, no, I and I, I, I'm going to direct everybody to it because this is something new for me to learn through. Um, hold, hold on, I lost my track. Okay, so Missing Molly, mm-hmm. and it's on YouTube. And you're going to give me the info, and I'll put it on CrimeOnline.com. And okay, now hold on. And you, again, this is this is a case where, I mean, what what the, you know, we had this bad thing happen, and it was horrible, and it will change it has changed our lives completely. But every single day, every day, almost, somebody comes forward and does something amazing or helpful or gives us something, and you know this this. Peter Massey, who came up with his ground-penetrating radar to look at the campground a couple of weeks ago. That was something that we organized on the side. I organized with a, a person that's a criminologist that I know who was, um, you know, worked with him and, you know, was a long shot halfway down the basketball court, sort of throwing the ball at the basket. But this person was, was generous enough to come up here and do- donate his time, his skill, his knowledge to help us. You know, and again, maybe it was a long shot, but I'll I mean, long shots are really all we have left at this point. And so, again, the movie, a friend of ours, Kathy Kern from Channel 5 News, and I were talking one day. I said, you know, I really think I should make a movie about Molly and solidify what happened so people aren't confused. Because often people will think, well, they got that guy in Florida. He must have done it. Or, oh, I heard about that guy in Western Mass. You're absolutely right, Heather. And no one follows up the story. And so I wanted to make sure that I that I imprinted it somewhere. That here are the facts. Here's what well, we you know. know what I'm about to do. I'm about to log on and find <laughs> Missing Molly's movie that you orchestrated. Uh-huh. And another thing, everybody, please write this number down: eight seven seven two nine eight five one five five. Toll free: eight seven seven two nine eight five one five five one day this case will be solved molly bish still on our minds still in our hearts maggie heather thank you guys thank you appreciate it i can't thank you enough and you will always be one of my most special people in the world and um i appreciate it so much and and you're helping so many people, and you're still continuing. And from my Molly, we thank you with all our heart. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's Best Hybrid Mattress Five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner.